This episode of IPv6 Buzz is brought to you by IT Pro TV. Start or grow your IT career with online IT training from IT Pro TV. And we have a special offer for IPv6 Buzz listeners. Sign up and save 30% off all plans. ITPro.tv slash buzz and use promo code buzz at checkout and save 30% off all plans. Welcome to the IPv6 Buzz Podcast, where we dare to dive into the 128-bit address space wormhole. A quick reminder, there's always sponsorship opportunity available for IPv6 Buzz and all the other Packet Pusher podcast shows. So if you're interested, you can go to packetpushers.net slash sponsorship, get all the details. Uh, and if you've got something cool working with V6, we definitely want to hear about it. So, hey, come join us here on the V6 Buzz, and we can uh, we can talk about what you're up to. Uh, I'm Ed Horley with my co-host Tom Coffey and Scott Hogue. And today, we're going to be sort of jumping in and talking about just the current status of v6 like what's going on uh what's happening and uh some some just general trends i guess that we're sort of seeing that might be interesting for the audience to sort of you know hear what we're seeing and and, and sort of observing um, maybe because we're more v6 focused than than everyone else and so we can we can talk a little bit about that so if that's cool uh i think maybe we just sort of jump in and talk about sort of status from a from a sort of maybe a country basis of like where things are at, like sort of on a worldwide adoption footprint. Would that make sense to, to talk about you guys? Yeah, who's leading the IPv6 empire? Yes, yes. Who's, uh, who's at the top of the heap? Who's at the top of the heap? Well, that's that, the fast answer is India. <laughs> <laughs> the quick answer, if you look at Akamai's rankings for IPv6 adoption and you look at their visualization rankings, uh, India is, is pretty much uh, a, the runaway racehorse right now for for v6 adoption they're they're uh, you know as of as the time we're recording this they're 55.3 percent adoption which when you account for population is a significant number of people <laughs> oh my goodness what is that uh, 500 million folks yeah i don't know what's in that ballpark I, I think there's yeah. maybe a billion people in india in that, in that yeah, range. yeah 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 so it's it's a pretty big number um 500 million great. happy ipv6 users <laughs> Which, which is which is significant because right uh, population in the United States what 330 340 million people uh, and we don't have anywhere close to 100 percent adoption so India's beat our entire population in the United States with uh, with with where they're at just in terms of population numbers so that's that's an interesting stat um, oh and just a quick uh, real-time correction India population is 1.38 billion so oh, okay. basically 700 million happy IPv6 users yeah, so twice twice the U.S. population. <laughs> if we were at 100%, we still couldn't catch up. That's um, right. Yeah, so it's, it's just, and everyone, and the only reason I we sort of go through that exercise is just to let everyone know, sort of take it with a grain of salt from rankings because, you know, Belgium at 46.8%, they're ranked third, but I think Belgium has, what, five million people, five and a half million people, something like that. I'm, I'm guessing off the top of my head because I have no idea. I guess I could look it up point, on Wikipedia. Eleven point five six million. Okay, so I was off by oh, <laughs> by, oh <laughs> by factor of two. <laughs> okay, sorry, Belgium, uh, but uh, but either way, so their total number is at forty six percent, which means they have about five million people <laughs> on IPv six. That's right, uh, so. and and I guess do we do we talk a little bit about you know why those numbers are where they're at? I mean, like with India, is it how many providers are, are really responsible for that level of traffic? Is it, you know, maybe one plus another one that's a fraction of that size? I, I don't, I don't know if it's. Yeah, it, that's yeah. probably the case in India because that's really the, um, 
at least at least in their use case, um, because of a new mobile provider that came online uh, several years ago, Reliance Geo, right? Mm-hmm. It was really, and they had no choice. They were deploying an all IPv6 network because it wasn't like IPv4 was an option, right? Because they were a brand new provider, right. brand new mobile provider. So they, they, they just went v6 straight from day one. They were super competitive on pricing and just got adopted like crazy by uh you know when you're when you're the price competitive leader you're going to gain a lot of customers and that's exactly what they did yeah and so maybe that's a little bit service characteristically different than belgium where there's more actual broadband to the home of course i think it's still probably a fraction of what the mobile the total mobile um, connectivity to ipv6 is but it, it does account for more than say in india yeah well i mean it's you know if you look at the top five the top five listings just just for folks the current at least Time we're recording for Akamai, they're listing India's number one at 55, roughly 55%. Malaysia's number two at 48%, which sort of surprised me. Uh, Belgium at 46.8%, Saudi Arabia at 45.2%, and then finally Germany at 44.9%, basically 45%. Um, and this would not be the normal, you know, if you asked me a decade ago, I would not be listing, I don't think, well, maybe Belgium. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, I don't think I would be listing anyone. And the reason we know Belgium is doing a bunch of the work is is because of some of the folks that we actually know in the industry. But outside of that, I wouldn't have put Saudi or Germany or Malaysia on my even top 10 list probably at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you guys feel the same way. Yeah, it's a little surprising. And and you notice that, uh, I mean, some of the, the folks that were roaring out of the gate early on, uh, especially at the government level where there were mandates, and I think of, uh, I think of like Singapore as an example, and or mm. Peru and South America, uh, you know, very, 10 years ago, very early, uh, aggressive, government mandated uh, approach. And, and I, I don't know that I don't know that that means that that approach wasn't successful. It just got eclipsed, I think, by a lot of uh, of other uh, countries where there is the the opportunity for one provider, say, like with a Reliance Geo, to just turn IPv6 on and then you know swamp the boat with uh, with IPv6 traffic, as it were. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of, it's sort of fascinating. the The United States is ranked all the way down at sixteenth at thirty four point six percent. Uh, and I find that an interesting number. Akamai clearly has a very different visibility map than maybe Google, because Google lists, you know, the United States, you know, what they see in the in the greater U.S. in terms of traffic very differently mm-hmm. than than Akamai. So, you know, whose numbers do you believe? I think uh, I think Google reports somewhere around 46. It seems to fluctuate between like 40, 45 to 50 percent, depending on what's going on and what day of the week you look. But uh, it seems to be in that neighborhood versus the 34.6%. Yeah, yeah. It was trending over 50 uh, over the holiday break. Yeah. It bumped up over 50. Yeah. So, and that, of course, like we've always sort of considered that a a big watershed for IPv6. So we can start calling IPv4 the legacy protocol. It's like, I mean, we'll call it that anyway, of course, but. Yeah, I mean it's it's just sort of fascinating. I mean, I, I was surprised that Mexico ranked so highly. Uh, they're they're up at at eleven at thirty nine point one percent, which is fantastic to see to see you know that sort of growth within areas that just a few years ago had little to none. Yeah, uh, and and traffic exactly. And and uh, another country in that category would be Brazil, and they've really surged surged ahead. But, you know, even just like seven or eight years ago, there was a lot of uh, resistance from service providers there that were going to try to just really retrench with uh, CG NAT and just try to go that route. And and right. so they they definitely turned things around. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a fun, fun exercise to do. We'll provide uh, the links for the for the data that we're looking at uh, in the show notes. So if, if folks want to go check that out and there's. 
And there's a long staple, long-term investment uh, countries in here too. Ranked ninth is is Japan. <clears throat> Japan, for instance, Japan's been working on V6 for as long as I can remember being involved with V6. I mean, they were some of the earliest adopters of V6 technology, mm-hmm. um, you know, sort of across the industry. And, and I think that's, you know, but they just had slow, steady growth. I mean, they're 40.5% and, you know, I, I, I imagine their trend will just sort of continue to climb that way. Yeah. And they've, they've always had a sort of unique and challenging regulatory uh, framework there that I think makes it, you know, difficult for, it's not like they can have just one provider that turns it on and there's this huge surge in numbers because of the way they have things broken out um, in terms of, you know, service provider uh, lines of demarcation and and who can control and own what services and and where that ends. Yeah. It's like and really how they, f- how they how they work with each other too. They, yeah. they have requirements that everyone sort of has to lift at the same time, right? In terms yeah, of, yeah. So there's a lot of yeah. fragmentation there. That you know, yeah, you're right. It was very much an early success story, and that and that that was partly why that was possible initially because everything was so segmented, and it was like oh, we can just take this segment and enable IPv6. But then over the long term, it's like well. It ends up being a bit a bit of a walled garden or multiple walled gardens where you know v6 is running here but can't really be turned up over here yeah and, I, and the one one of the ones that did surprise me is the one the sixth slot which is vietnam because mm-hmm. vietnam if you, if you look at the graph really nothing started happening until basically 2018 and then suddenly <laughs> it just ramps up and and sort of grows to the current rate set that it's at and and, and it looks like it'll remain steady so to me that sort of introduces like yeah service providers either mobile or service provider market, something changed significantly for them within their demographic and their country. And, and that really changed the landscape of what V6 looks like. Yeah. And I, I think we're going to see that as being indicative for many of the, many of the countries that are in here with the, with a few exceptions like Japan and others that we're pointing out. Um, yeah. And I wonder how much of that with, with Vietnam and, you know, more of a top-down government, you know, sort of approach. And I don't know to what extent that's sort of driven if it's, if it's that, if it's that, uh, that scenario where there can be a, a, a much like a mandate like we have in many other places, but rather than having it be just an unfunded mandate, it's, you know, it's sort of all hands on deck to get this done. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm just speculating wildly because I have no idea what actually happened in Vietnam to drive those numbers up. Yeah. And, and, and the brethren to the North, Canada is ranked 28th, but the reality is, is that for the longest time they were at zero. <laughs> so, so seeing them uh, pop up on the map and, and, and have some ranking in here is, is, is nice to see because it was for the longest time, it didn't look like Canada was going to get much movement going on the V6 side. I mean, I think they were pretty low in the, in the 2016, 2017 time range, uh, but they just been steadily growing from then. Yeah. Um, could be uh, countries that have service, you know, a smaller set of service providers that are more ubiquitous across that country once they you know get their core upgraded then maybe they have a bunch of edge equipment they have dslams cmts's to upgrade once they do that once they test it then it's like boom light up all of the cpes right mm-hmm. away mm-hmm. so it has a more dramatic shift for a country that has fewer service providers or maybe only one dominant one and then turns up all the cp over a short period of time the yeah. weekend or something yeah but there was a lot of prep work that went into flipping that switch and we've talked about that tipping point effect you know of ipv6 as soon as you enable it you don't realize how many quad a records you're serving up in dns and how much v6 services are out there on the internet mm-hmm. boom as soon as they you v6 enable the end users traffic immediately jumps yeah well, a great example of that is go look at ranking number 27, 
which is Guadalupe, literally August 9th, 2019, it goes from zero to 22.4%. Yeah. <laughs> it's literally one day on the graph. And Montserrat, the same in the same region in the Caribbean. Yeah. Very, very so similar. I've, yeah. So I think, I think we're going to see more of that, more of that related stuff. And I, I think, I think this is good. I mean, it's, it's, it's useful to, to sort of understand that, that there can be impacts like this in the industry, right. In terms of changes for, for um, uh, adoption that a single, single carrier, single provider or a single service can, can dramatically change the landscape about what's going on. And, and I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a negative at all. No, not at all. And I, just a quick shout out to the, to the folks in the Caribbean, Caribbean network operator group and, I mean, yeah. they're, they've definitely been on the ball as far as like really trying to push IPv6 and, and get it moved forward. And it looks like that's really paying off. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty cool. The one, the, the other one that's sort of a surprise, they're, they're not highly ranked right now, but you can definitely see that the activity picked up in 2019 was China. Uh, China has traditionally was pretty much a zero landscape for V6 that we, we know they were running a ton of stuff internally, but in terms of public announcements, right, it was, it was very, 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 very small. Um, insignificant, but they're at 23.9%, almost 24%, um, uh, which when you look at the population of China, <laughs> it's another one of those, like when you're looking at the percent adoption and does that translate to a, a percentage of population, there's, there's not a good correlation around it. I mean, you could do swag numbers, but yeah, but, uh, the, but the yeah. numerator is just so large to begin with. So, right. Exactly. Exactly. So that's, that's the impact on there, but I, I, th I think these are, uh, I think the rankings are fun and they seem to be changing a lot more rapidly than they did maybe five, six years ago. Uh, it seems to be that uh, the ranking order seems to be changing around quite a bit more. Um, I've, I've seen changes month to month now that are pretty, pretty dramatic in terms of where people are at. So I, th I think there's a lot of V6 adoption and change that's happening in the landscape overall. Um, and are we likely to see that continue in 2022 or maybe do I, I certainly hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think, I think we're going to see more and more countries that are, that are, you know, that V6, well, for very pragmatic reasons, mm -hmm. like they don't have any V4 and they're not going to spend the ridiculous amount of money that is currently being asked for V4, you know, public V4 resources. Like the, the you know, that it's just a waste of, of government money to be spending uh, government or business money to be spending on, on V4 resources when you can get V6 at a very cost-effective rate. So I just see that expand. And it's almost a banal observation at this late date, but the fact that, you know, it really is about mobile infrastructure, right? I mean, yeah, you know, back in the day, it was a, a lot more wired line. And, and of course, as Scott just mentioned, it's it really, it takes time. You have to have, have CPE that supports it. And there's churn that, you know, it takes time to get all this, the old CPE out and the new CPE in that's going to support IPv6 effectively. But with mobile devices and the turnover there, it's, it's much easier and faster to just scale out a, a what's essentially a greenfield IPv6 network uh, at, at the national scale. And, you know, in many cases, so I, maybe we'll see even more of that in 2022, that trend will continue. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And even, even, even little New Zealand has got an adoption of rate of 22, 22.2% on the far edge of the planet there. The mighty Kiwis. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's very similar to Australia's adoption, which doesn't surprise me. I think they, they share some of the same carriers and, and back all of well, I think so. I saw an announcement earlier this week. There's an Aussie provider that's going IPv6 only. They made that announcement. I can't remember who it was off the top oh, of my wow. head, but okay. Docomo, I think. I'm not sure if I'm yeah. saying that right, but yeah, very cool. Well, yeah. and Google's got a whole different set of stats and, you know, uh, India is still leading the pack at 63.5%. So they're still 
storming ahead of everyone else, uh, you know, sort of due to their adoption. But you can look at similar numbers there, and they've got a nice wall graph. And you can you can take a look at if you want to look at just Africa, for instance. You can look at what's going on just within Africa or North America or Central America. Um, so it's it's pretty useful in terms of sort of seeing where where they're seeing data coming into their networks. Yeah, sort of who's leading in the continent. So like with Africa, I believe it's I want to say it's Gabon, which is. I have no idea what the context is there, but they're uh, they're within the top 100 on Akamai's list. Yeah, and they they show up in the Google rankings too. They're at 23.4% for the Google mm-hmm. Google rankings. Yeah, so you know, cl- clearly uh, they're getting a set of activity, uh, you know, happening happening there. I guess the, even the Congo. <laughs> has, yeah, has next, in, in, close in close by the Congo. That, so there's definitely some infrastructure stuff going on there. Shared, shared infrastructure or something yeah. going on there that might might be doing that. Anyway, yeah, I, 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 mean, I just thought it was, I, I just like, think it's interesting sort of talking through that. I interrupt the podcast today for a quick word from our sponsor, IT Pro TV. Do you remember the ransomware attack on the gas pipeline from last year? That is an example of how cybersecurity professionals are in demand. There are more than 500,000 open cybersecurity roles, and you can become a cybersecurity professional with some online training. It's never too late to start a new career in IT or move up the ladder, and IT Pro TV, today's sponsor, has you covered. From CompTIA and Cisco to EC Council and Microsoft. IT Pro TV is offering more than 5,800 hours of on-demand training, and they, they teach it with engaging hosts. They present information in a talk show format, so it's not boring. They're live every day if you like live content, and the shows that they record each day, those go studio to web in 24 hours. The courses are conveniently listed by category, certification, and job role. And you can stream IT Pro TV's courses live or on demand worldwide via really any platform you want Roku, Apple TV, PC, or their iOS or Android apps. Learn IT, pass your certs, and get a great job with IT Pro TV. Visit itpro.tv slash buzz for 30% off all plans and use promo code buzz at checkout. That's itpro.tv slash buzz and use promo code buzz at checkout. One more time, itpro.tv slash buzz and use promo code buzz at checkout to save 30% off all plans. And now back to the podcast. We can't take the statistics too seriously. Yeah. Because they're each, each, you know, statistic company or or view that you may look at that we're citing here well they can change day to day due to the enterprise effect and that could be five five ten plus or minus percent you know mm-hmm. depending on the enterprise effect and we've talked about that in other shows and and in articles but also you know the the statistic that you're looking at you have to consider well how was it captured and what and from what perspective or not whole of the internet was it gathered from Akamai, yeah. you know, looks from their perspective, Google stats are from their perspective. You know, if you look at a, a Facebook stats, they're going to be from their, you know, content provider perspective. And right. so they vary and they're not going to be identical. Yeah. And, well, and, so, and, what are, and what are they measuring? Are they measuring prefixes? Are they measuring transit routes? Are they measuring web content? Are they measuring users? Like what, you know, 
is it just packets? <laughs> right? Like, what are they actually measuring? And, and, right. and that's part of the challenge too. It's like, what, what does that number really mean? Yeah, they could be gleaning client uh, IP addresses, source addresses of mm-hmm. users reaching a web server. You could also just look at unique source addresses captured in NetFlow data. Right. You could look at connections or you could look at bytes, you know, yep. or mm-hmm. raw octets of traffic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe you reflect one country as having a higher volume of traffic when it's a smaller set of users, but they're doing more video. <laughs> or, so, or it's exactly. just an enormous denial of service attack that's gone on for the entire <laughs> yeah, year. Yeah, excuse the result. <laughs> we need to make our country stat look bigger. <laughs> Let's hire a V6 capable DDoS service. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. perverse in the wrong sort of way but <laughs> yeah. yeah so i think you have to you know when you're like oh well, this co- this country is 40 percent on this but it's only 38 on this i think you can't take them too seriously but you can see the trend you know any right. one of those re- graphs will show you a trend and you can say ah okay it's going up 25 30 percent a year year over year or wow, yeah, it made a dramatic shift in just a few months. And that service provider probably put a lot of effort into making that dramatic shift in a short period of time to get everything ready, right. ready to go live. And then you see the strangest thing when, and to just to that point where that same service provider will, for some reason, decide to turn IPv6 off. <laughs> and, and then you see the country goes yeah. from like 40% all the way down to 15%, like overnight, you know? And so it's, it, right. it's a, yeah, it's a valid point. Yeah. Well, and, and then I think and, it's and for I, those, I'm sorry, just real quickly for those service providers that are turning it off, give us a call. We, we, we might be able to help, yeah. help you well, get it turned back on. Why? <laughs> yeah. 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 That's right. There's probably some interesting uh, software bug. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's, that's always interesting for us to, to sort of hear what's, what's going on and why, why things are happening for those service providers that are deploying and, and turning it on. Like, congratulations, you guys. That's, that's really awesome. Um, it, it, it makes it, it makes an impact on the greater internet overall. And, uh, I think us, you know, more and more service providers really, you know, understanding and using V6 is makes it that much more easier for enterprises to adopt V6, I think, because it's not a challenge to talk to your service provider about what you need and what you need to do, which may be a good transition to sort of talk about some of the major changes we're seeing around enterprise adoption, because I, I, I think it's changed over the last three to five years. Uh, I feel like, I think even within the last, you know, two to three years, I don't, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but our observations, like granted, we all work in V6 community. So it's sort of like, but the discussions have changed from being about how do we deal with certain things around service provider design and carrier grade issues. And the enterprises really weren't focused in the same way that I see them now. Like the discussions we're having with enterprise customers, uh, what we're hearing from other colleagues in the industry, what we're seeing just trending wise, like the enterprises are, you know, and maybe we're talking about the global 2000 enterprises, right? Mm-hmm. Very large organizations, but they're taking V6 pretty seriously now. Like there's more and more evaluation. There's more and more, you know, like these are the issues that we're structurally dealing with. I don't know if you guys feel the same, same sort of change or not, but this certainly seems to be my impression. Well, and I guess to the extent that it that it impacts the stats, which the show is about, I mean, that's that's really kind of the like the key question, I suppose. As Scott mentioned it earlier, the enterprise effect, which, and for folks that maybe haven't listened before or don't remember what that is, so it, it, it's it's that strange phenomenon where. Uh, you know, their folks are at work during the day at their corporate jobs. Of course, that's really radically shifted over the last couple of years with COVID and working from home. Um, but 
while they're while they're in in their their cubicles and and serving you know the the web for their ostensibly for their jobs they're they're not doing that over IPv6 because enterprise corporate IT is not enabled for IPv6. Did I, did I get that right, Scott? Is that essentially the, the essence of the enterprise effect? Yeah, that yeah. you know many enterprises in their internal networks are V4 only. Um, but more people when they're out of the office might more likely have IPv6 at home or on their mobile phones. Yeah. So then, so then we then we have the the phenomenon where you would see that in the middle, essentially in the middle of the day. But but now uh, because of you know so many folks working from home, I wonder if if we'll see some of that impact blunted because otherwise that might be a good metric by which to measure how much additional enterprise IPv6 adoption we're seeing. But I think yeah. that that brings up another question related to you know what is it that enterprises are doing with IPv6. Uh, is it is it the corporate land that they're focused on? And I'm not sure that the answer is necessarily yes. Um, as, yeah, they're probably working on the early stage, which is yeah. we need a presence. We need inter we needed some sort of connectivity mm -hmm. at a base level. We probably need maybe a minimum start for a presence. Maybe we turn up our edge services to be able to be able to communicate and and do some work there and have enough space to be able to sort of explore and sort of figure out what we need to do to transition. That's what I'm. You know, I imagine that's at least for those that are dipping their toes in the water and, and trying to figure that stuff out. I think that's probably where they're at. Yeah, I, I wrote an article last year on kind of the, the enterprise effect and the COVID effect. And it, you could see, you know, when you look at Google's statistics, for example, you could see lockdown and a rise in V6. And then you could see a reduction in the, in the diurnal pattern every day or every week. Right. And, and then it grows. And then you could also see the return to work, you know, gradually returning of the enterprise effect. And then, you know, we've gone through these pulses of oh, lockdown. Oh, no, let's get back to work. No, go back home. You know, and you can see these mm -hmm. pulses in the Google statistics. And so, yeah, I'll put a link to that article out there. It's it's just a sort of a feeling in terms of where, you know, just industry trend wise, what what seems to be going on. I'm not saying it's a hard and fast rule about, about things, but I, I guess maybe that bubbles up the question about like, why do we think things are changing at any level? And I think partially for enterprises, it's the fact that service providers can actually provide V6 now, yeah. right? In a very consistent way that they've got operationalized now. And so when you're talking with your, you're talking with your provider, and they're talking about the services they can offer. One of the things they can put back on the they can put on the checklist is, well, we can we can support peering with you with V6. Like we've got full V6 transport capabilities. You can turn your sites up with V6, and we can give you that flexibility. Now, does everyone want to do it right away? Probably not. But the fact that they can do that, you know, clearly organizations are trying to evaluate where where they need to go with with V6 and the new architectures and designs they want to do. And I think that's part of the reason that we're maybe seeing some rise in interest on the on the global footprint side plus the fact that none of these enterprises want to go out and spend the sort of money that's required to, to acquire ipv6 or ipv4 addresses either at 55 or whatever crazy i don't even know what the current current dollar rate is for for addresses but i think the last i looked was like 55 dollars an ip address or something like that which just seems bonkers for for v4 address but you know so so be it that's what the market's demanding and you know, that's, it'll, it'll continue to do that. Yeah. I, I think we've, when we've looked over over the years, you guys, what is like 
it's like pretty much like doubled every single year, right? Well, actually, no, it was relatively stable for a while. Mm -hmm. We're seeing a bit of a hockey stick effect, uh, you know, graph wise, it it pretty much doubled over the last year. So I'm I'm not suggesting that'll continue, but, uh, but you definitely don't have any control over, over the pricing for V4. And if anything, it, it seems like it will continue to, to increase in price. Yeah. For some years, like in, 2012 to 2014, it was fairly flat. And then we saw a growth of 15 to 25% every year, about 20% increase for a few years there. And then last year, a dramatic rise. Yeah. Just blew up. Yeah. I'm looking at that bid auction site there. There's, there's some that are selling for a, wow, that's crazy. No way. $120 an address. That seems a little bonkers. There's others that are $60, $56. Maybe, you know, whatever the price is, the price is, but you may not be able to find a sufficient sized block. Oh, I want a slash 18. Maybe those aren't available. Oh man, I should have kept that slash 16 that I had back in the day. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be, uh, I'd be in Montserrat on the beach right now, surfing IPv6. Yeah. Here's a, here's a slash 18 on auction right now. It's a, it's $49 and 50 cents an address, which means the opening bid is $811,000. Wow. That's crazy. All right. Well, you know, it's uh, maybe, maybe some of these corporations can't afford just snapping these up and buying them. So, you know, uh, (laughs) and our, our next question was, you know, how does this impact you as the enterprise architect or engineer or yeah, you, um, how many broadband you, ISP service, just your, your monthly service just doubled because the service <laughs> provider had to cover the cost of buying more V4 address. <laughs> right. That's how it impacts you. <laughs> right. It's either that or maybe you're one of the lucky, really old, uh, old uh, network operators who originally registered with Aaron and put the address block in your name alone and not the company's name. And now you can go ask for a lot of money to get <laughs> retain the address space. I don't know. Yeah. It could impact you as service providers change their policies on getting a static V4 address for certain, you know, business classes, services for branch offices. Maybe you, you want to roll out a SD-WAN project, but you need a static non-changing address yeah. for your to terminate your land-to-land, site-to-site VPN tunnels on. Mm-hmm. Now you can't get that address from the service provider. Or you have to pay a crazy amount of money for it, right? Yeah, yeah, it increases, or you have to then go up to a higher class of service, you know, to get a non-changing address, you know, instead of using a residential service or a, or a cheaper broadband service. Now you have to go up to a, a more premium business class of service. And so right. many, so many enterprises are, are considering or uh, actually enacting the move in, into the cloud space and, and basically dealing with the economics of where V4 pricing is at today and how the, you know, some of that is due to cloud providers going out and snapping up as much IPv4 address space as they, they can. Uh, but that pricing pressure, you know, do they, as Scott just suggested with other service providers, do they pass the costs along to you um, at some point when that IPv4 becomes scarce in those environments? You know, IPv6, on the other hand, becomes maybe much more accessible, much more affordable for everyone, regardless of what the architecture is. And so then are you in a position where you're prepared to uh, enable IPv6 to support whatever your cloud initiatives are? to take advantage of that available addressing and not be subjected to 
you know, potential extra costs associated with trying to keep V4 up and up and running to, to support those new architectures. Yeah. Like an AWS Elastic IP, about five bucks a month, <clears throat> you know, and, but so that's $60 a year. Well, if it costs AWS more than $60 and it's probably close, right? Mm-hmm. To more than $60 an IPv4 address and they want a payback period of less than a year, then the le- then the price of an elastic IP has to go up. Right. That's right. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting it's an interesting sort of play, and it'll be interesting to see how the market shakes out for for 2022, and if we continue to see that trend, because the cloud providers are the ones that are principally buying up the majority share of of v4 address space. Just to be not ambiguous at all about that statement there's yeah. really there's, there's really very few that are buying it up and that they're the principal purchasers of of what's going on in the market um i i don't know i mean what what sort of impact does this have on all of us like it's you know i, th- I think skill wise you know more and more folks in the enterprise are going to have to learn v6 that's the first thing that pops in my head right is i think that's going to have a direct impact on, on many of the folks that are listening is that you know v6 is going to be something that you're going to have to spend some time and energy on, you know, regardless of whether you, you know, you, you just choose to deploy it at scale within your enterprise or not, you're still going to be dealing with it probably at the internet edge at a minimum. Yeah. You can no longer just be in denial about it. Just just ignore it. Our listeners of our show aren't in denial. They're embracing it. So, yeah. Yeah. And so much of what we've talked about goes beyond, again, just the the corporate IT LAN, you know, where it's certainly something that, you know, it, it seems like it would be something that would be uh, a much more direct and accessible way to, to get into V6, but it o- often ends up being sort of the last thing that, that gets focused on. But in the meantime, you've got all this other development with IPv6 and, and service provider and cloud space that, that may mm-hmm. be impacting you. And so, you know, in other words, don't wait until you're thinking about how do I turn this on, 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 you know, the local LAN segment that my, you know, my workstation's connected to, or my laptop's connected to start thinking about, you know, how V6 exists outside of that and how that's going to impact your organization. Well, and we've, we've talked to a ton of organizations uh, that, you know, what's starving them of V4 address space is actually their cloud deployments, right? Yes. (laughs) That's, 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 you know, they've got a certain amount of reserve of RFC 1918 that they've you know, sat on and try to be super conservative with, right? With before thinking, right? And holding mm-hmm. on to holding on to stuff because you 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 got scarcity, you 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 have a limited amount of resources to hand out. And the cloud teams are coming along and saying, you know, you know, I need a slash 16 of <laughs> whatever amount of address space to deploy in this region. I need another one to deploy in this region. I need another one to deploy in this region. And every single, every single time they're coming back and they're just, you know, they're just starving their organization of of public <clears throat> of private V4 address space. And uh, it becomes a structural problem, right? And so many, many people are scrambling, trying to figure out how do I fix that problem? How do I, you know, sort of hold the tide of, of, uh, of, of handing out all my V4 address space, uh, you know, in a short period of time, and just have it completely consumed by, by, by public cloud. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's, I think career-wise, this is going to impact you. I, I would recommend everyone, you know, spend a little bit of time and invest and, and understand V6. Clearly, you're doing that just by listening to the podcast. So. Congrats. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know. Congratulations for listening to us. <laughs> <laughs> and the Talk broken us. record that we are. Yeah. Learn so, V6. 
you know, our, our, our bravado cannot be overcome. Um, <laughs> but I think we should send all our listeners a sympathy card. <laughs> <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> but, but I think, I think it's, I think it is important. And, and I, I do think it's going to be, you know, if, if you're working on public cloud, this is definitely going to be something you need to pay attention to with the, with the V6 side. And I think you're going to see other, other areas where this is going to be a, a lot more present. And I don't know, I, I, I just wanted to give a, a, I think we just wanted to give a little sort of summary about where we saw things sitting out. I, I, I think that's a pretty good, pretty good, you know, sort of current state. I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, it'll be interesting uh, to see where we end up at the end of the year and maybe we revisit the topic then. Yeah, I agree yeah. with you. There's a lot of great places to look for stats, you know, regional internet registries, CDNs, content providers, um, you know, the world IPv6 measurements uh, page. Um, oh, yeah. Go check them out for one. yourself. You know, we'll, we'll put those in the show notes and the links. Um, yeah, go explore, see what your country's doing. Um, ask your service provider, you know. Go check and see if you're on V6 already. You didn't know it. <laughs> Maybe we, maybe we, it would be interesting to do a study to see, you know, how well people do in the winter Olympics versus how many, uh, what their percentage of IPv6 uh, is. correlation. Yeah. <laughs> see if it correlates. I mean, yeah, we start ranking them with how many gold, silver, and bronze medals have been won by what country with V6 rankings. <laughs> All right. Well, awesome. Well, and we'd love listener feedback. So if you guys have some opinions or why, you know, if you're looking at the numbers or you're involved with the numbers, even better, like we'd love to hear back mm -hmm. uh, from, from, from you folks and, and, uh, and get the feedback. So that, that would be fantastic. Um, well, Hey, unlike B6, guess what? We've run out of space for this podcast. You can reach the IPv6 buzz podcast on Twitter. We're at IPv6 buzz. And you can also hit up each one of us on Twitter. Uh, Tom is at IPv6 Tom. Scott is at Scott Hogue, and I'm at E. Horley. Thanks for listening to the IPv6 Buzz. You can find us on the Packet Pushers or any of your favorite podcast apps. Just search for IPv6 Buzz. If you like the show, it would be great if you could give us ratings on iTunes. Um, and if you like this podcast, we really recommend you check out like Heavy Networking, Day2 Cloud, and Network Break Podcasts. Uh, they're all over at, uh, at PacketPushers.net. So long, and until next time, we'll see you on the internet. The IPv6 internet, that is. Thanks for listening to IPv6 Buzz, a podcast devoted to truth, justice, and 128 bits of address space. IPv6.